0: Hey, I'm David Dodge. Welcome to part six in our COP26 Tiny Explainer series. Cities are where most of the greenhouse gas emissions are produced and where much of the action to reduce them takes place but it turns out there's actually very little direct engagement between federal politicians and their municipal counterparts and even less direct engagement between policymakers and the expert practitioners in Natural Resources Canada and city administrations. Mitchell Beer of the Energy Mix talks to Alison Ashcroft, a veteran city practitioner, about why opening lines of communication could make climate actions far more effective.
1: Good day, and welcome to this edition of COP26, Tiny Explainers. I'm Mitchell Beer, publisher of The Energy Mix, and I'm speaking with Alison Ashcroft, outgoing managing director of Canadian Urban Sustainability Professionals. She's been working with 17 large and leading local governments across the country. Our two questions today come from Elizabeth Velestek Henderson in Calgary, Alberta. Elizabeth asks, How do federal leaders engage leaders from our urban areas to address the sustainability improvements we make to the built environment? Alison?
2: Good question, Elizabeth. Uh, Hi. Um, So I think... You know, if we're speaking strictly to the built environment, that's one thing. If we're talking about climate plans at cities, that's more comprehensive. So typically a climate strategy for a municipality or for the city would include um, buildings, transportation and waste and and the land use uh, decisions that are made um, that affect buildings and transportation. There's a few different ways that the federal government engages with leaders uh, from Cities. Uh, if we're talking about elected officials at cities or the practitioners at cities, uh, but it's fairly limited. So procedurally, uh, there's little to no direct engagement between either uh, ministers and elected officials at city council or mayors. Uh, nor is there much direct engagement between the policy maker or the between the practitioners at say Natural Resources Canada or Environment Canada with practitioners in local government. So obviously, if you're working in a city. Uh, You understand the challenges um, in your city. You also understand your built environment. Uh, You understand what kind of buildings you have, the age of your buildings, um, your uh, tenures, your rentals, your your ownership, um, and some of the challenges that people are having in um, in decarbonizing those buildings. And uh, when you're sitting in Ottawa, you don't necessarily understand the difference between Winnipeg and Saskatoon and, and and Victoria.
0: Not only is there not nearly enough communication and coordination, the way funding is delivered also presents challenges.
2: And so government basically distributionally has two ways of funding cities. They can either fund them through the bilateral agreements with provinces, or they can fund them through FCM.
0: FCM stands for the Federation of Canadian Municipalities. It has been the preferred method of delivering funding in recent years because of the political challenges of getting bilateral agreements with provinces. The federal government created the much lauded pan-Canadian framework for clean growth and climate change that led to carbon pricing and a proposed national model building code that pushes everything towards net zero. But
2: when they tried to push money through for the Pan-Canadian framework, they saw that it didn't move fast enough through those bilateral agreements. They then design programs and have grants and loans that go out to individual cities for individual programs. And that's not the most efficient way. So for instance, in Greater Vancouver, we have 22 municipalities that make up what all of you would think of as Vancouver. Um, So for 22 municipalities to all be applying for loans and all be applying for grants and all be setting up different retrofit rebate programs uh, or PACE loans, um, would be really inefficient and really ineffective and also very confusing in the marketplace where people don't necessarily recognize themselves as living in Burnaby versus Vancouver or the like.
0: Pieces. Is- Property Assessed Clean Energy Financing, which has been adopted in some places in the U.S., and the idea is that loans are given for energy efficiency retrofits or renewable energy projects that pay back the loans with savings or earnings. Programs in the U.S. have spurred billions in investment. Thanks to the dysfunction between the provinces and the feds, it's hard to set up national programs. But on the other hand, designing and managing programs in every single city is terribly inefficient. But that's what's happening, because leadership is coming from the cities. PACE-like pilots have started in several municipalities across Canada. Some cities have the vision and the courage to pilot PACE, but the bureaucratic quagmire is stacked against them.
2: They're never going to be able to do it as cost effectively. And if you're not able to, if you're not able to issue a loan that can compete with, a my my mortgage rate is 1.4%. There's no loan that they could possibly provide that would cost recover for the the staffing time and whatever to do that. So... We need to be really selective in figuring out when and why it would be necessary for the city to step into that role, I think, as an example.
0: City governments often lead the charge with vision and action on climate change, and they're also closest to the people.
2: I mean, I guess the biggest difference with the local level of government, with the exception of a few cities, is they're not party governments, right? So that alone, um, I think, makes local government uh, different and more democratic. Uh, and also, because they're the closest to the people, they um, they are ten, they are you know by all surveys uh, the most trusted level of government.
0: The disconnect between the levels of government starts at the top.
2: We have the federal sustainable development strategy, which isn't talked about very much. It's what drives all of the work plans and budgets for every ministry within the federal government at the moment. Local governments and like municipalities are not named in that document at all
0: indeed, the federal government has a gaggle of solid policies, but there 's no connection to the people on the ground in cities
2: there 's the pan canadian framework there 's the healthy economy or healthy environment healthy economy plan, and then of course there's the sdg's goals all of those have so much overlap they could easily um, Be driving policy down through all of those strategies.
0: The desperate need to integrate climate strategy becomes clearer when you look at things such as the national housing strategy, which is integrated.
2: You know, I was given the lane of, you know, greenhouse gases and energy. And and that was the same for all the cities I worked with in the networks. And no one is working purely on that anymore, particularly in Canada, particularly where I live out in the West Coast. But most of our big cities, if you're not working on housing affordability and talking about equity, you're not, you're, no one's listening.
0: It's a case of not seeing the forest for the trees. You have the idea of energy retrofits and you have a big push for affordable housing, but there's a big problem here.
2: These tenants are spending way more then people in market rental and homeowners, and they have the least agency to do anything about those improvements. You now, we have nonprofits who are running those buildings and government who are running those buildings whose entire mandate is to provide affordable housing. And, and, it's, and it's failing because we're not looking at the operating costs of those buildings for people. And, you know, as we've seen the heat domes and the other stuff here, there's some real health risks. And there are seniors and people in low income who are living in subsidized housing who died in British Columbia during the heat dome. That's who died. You know, we do not have a national climate strategy. We have a national housing strategy. Mm -hmm. And we have because of that, we have we have a great housing strategy.
0: And with the lack of integration and collaboration, climate change goals are lost even when they could help. There are examples of where we get them right, says Ashcroft, such as the BC Hydro Sustainable Communities Program, which funded energy managers right in the municipalities.
2: They pay 50 percent of salaries for staff embedded within cities to work on stuff together and to work in their community and it and to work with the utility um, And we are very fortunate to have that in British Columbia. And it's the reason for why you see such advancements in the energy step code in British Columbia and, uh, in EV charging and EV strategies and, uh, you know, uh, 100% charging mandates uh, within new construction. Those are all things that have come out of that one network that's been around for 15 years. And the Clean Air Partnership in Ontario, you see some of the same stuff.
0: Ashcroft says she's learned how important integrating this work with shared governance can be through her work with the Canadian Urban Sustainability Practitioners.
2: We can't fund actual projects ourselves, but we were we were enough to have a funded staff to bring together the cities to start to talk about and work on. Um... Uh, challenging issues together, like the equity and energy poverty uh, work, for instance, but also some of this multi-level climate action uh, stuff that we're doing in COP with with SFU this this year is from that TCFD, the Trust Force on Climate-Related Financial Disclosures, so providing transparency and accountability inside of financial statements and annual reports, so really mainstreaming climate into those budgeting processes and into those reports that that bondholders and other investors want to see. Uh, that's all work that's been originated out of Montreal, Toronto, Edmonton, and Calgary with, with us. Uh, sorry, Vancouver, not Calgary. Um, that's all stuff that is, you know, we're leading on in, in the world really on some of that and a lot of our data visualization work. So networks really do work uh, pure networks, but you also need the, the multi-level networks, right? We need to be connecting other levels of government and then helping cities also connect Locally, with their community partners to do that equity work that they need to be doing with frontline workers,
1: it feels like every single topic that you've touched on was a conversation starter for something that could have been a whole segment or more um, uh, just on its own, but uh, with great regret, I think we're going to leave it there. This has been the fifth in our series of COP26 Tiny Explainer Broadcasts. You can find more of our explainers on the Green Energy Futures YouTube page or on the energymix.com and text summaries on our daily digest during COP26. Alison Ashcroft, thank you so much for joining us.
2: Mitchell, thank you so much. And I just need to say that I get a lot of newsletters that I subscribe to. And the only one I open the minute I see it is the Energy Mix. I count on it with And I love it. It always hits the mark for me. So thank you so much for doing that. Thank you so much for that.
0: Thanks to Michael Beer of The Energy Mix and Alison Ashcroft for this thoughtful discussion. As someone who's worked in and around municipalities, it's frustrating to see the vision and talent of the municipal people and how little they're able to communicate directly with their federal and provincial counterparts. It's like there's a Chinese wall between peers and between them and the politicians. There are some good reasons for this, of course, such as the independence of the bureaucracy. But when you're in the midst of a climate crisis that requires unparalleled action at an unprecedented pace, You have a big problem, Houston. Thanks for listening and follow our COP26 Tiny Explainers at theenergymix.com and greenenergyfutures.ca. For COP26 Tiny Explainers, I'm David Dodge.